I can't believe not one, but two matches last night were walkovers thanks to abdomen injuries. Ugh, yeah. First, we had Rude retire after the second set versus Rublev, and then Berrettini withdrew from his match versus Tsitsipas. And we even had that Djokovic one with that tear that has apparently healed? You know, I saw a tweet with the perfect way to describe our reactions to all this. It was, quote, at this point I wonder, are abdomen injuries contagious? Hello everyone and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts Josefina and Shravya. Shravya and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josephina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics, united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. We're back with another Australian Open recap and slash preview episode for the rounds. We have the round of 16 recap plus quarterfinal preview, so we're moving into the second week of the Grand Slam. And, you know, we do have a little PSA going on. Travier, <laughs> you want to take that away? Yeah, so unfortunately last night, I as if you don't know already, Josephine is in charge of our Instagram account. I'm in charge of our Twitter account. Um, I was having a bit too much fun on Twitter last <laughs> night. I was tweeting a lot, um, and then it was getting really late, so I started fooling around with our profile, trying to edit some stuff around, and I accidentally switched our birthday to be in 2020, like the birthday we had logged in in 2020. I did that by accident, and then we got locked out of our Twitter account because it was like, oh, you're not old enough to have a Twitter because you're born in 2020, and I was like, that's not what I meant to do. Um, So we're locked out of our Twitter account for the time being. We've done all we have to do to kind of revive it back, so hopefully within three to four days, it should be back, and I'll be back to my stupid tweets pretty soon. Come on, Shravya. We know our brand is being the young tennis podcasters, but maybe not one years old. <laughs> exactly. And also, like, we're supposed to be Gen Z, hit with the technology and stuff. <laughs> We've already had a few glitches, but it's okay. I'm going to miss being on Twitter, but um, it'll, it'll only be for a few days, hopefully, and then we'll be back. But also, in better news, today we actually have a very special guest who is coming on to our podcast um, in a few minutes uh, after we kind of talk a little bit about some matches of the round, but he's going to be joining us for um, some discussion around the ATP matches, so stay tuned for that, but before that, we do want to talk about some matches of the round. So on the WTA side, I would argue that this was not only the match of the round on the WTA side, but the match of the round on both sides of the draw, kind of like what we had with the Shapovalov Sinner in the first round. The Osaka-Muguruza match took the cake. It was all the talk on Valentine's Day in Melbourne. Extremely high-quality tennis from both of the players, which is what we were expecting. Josephina and I have been anticipating this matchup and a lot of other tennis fans since the draws came out. And these two women did not disappoint. So Naomi Osaka defeated Garbina Muguruza last year's Australian Open finalist 4-6, 6-4, And as Osaka does, she pulled off the comeback of all comebacks. Uh, She saved two match points at 5-4 in the third set when she was serving to stay in the match. And Osaka was down on a break early in the second set as well. So, And then after, you know, saving the two match points in the third set, 
Naomi did not hit a single unforced error thereafter. So that is some clutch tennis from her. And this was kind of surprising to me. The two of them had never played each other before. So what a way to kick off their, um, you know, head to head. And the quality of the match of the opponents, the rankings, the seedings, the tennis, it was really, you know, worthy of a slam final even. Um, because that was that awesome of a match, and we've talked about how stacked the bottom half of the women's draw is. Um, after her match, Osaka said, Today I feel like I was a bit intimidated because I knew she was playing really well coming into this match. Obviously, we know Muguruza has been on fire these past few weeks. And Osaka said, And for me, I feel like in the stressful points, I feel I have to go within myself, and I know that today I probably hit a lot of unforced errors. I think that was something I needed to do because I couldn't really give her any short balls because she'd finish it. So that's pretty smart stuff from Osaka there. She had a strategy in mind, worked out for her, and definitely showed some real mental strength here to pull off this win. But what I thought was really nice was the butterfly. I know Josefina posted this on our Instagram, but the butterfly moment there was really nice. And we also saw that butterfly land on Nadal a few days earlier. So maybe there's some good luck there in the in the uh, future for Nadal and Naomi. Definitely. I mean, I did post that because I thought the picture was really cool. And then just a few hours later, she basically posted the same photo. I was like, wow, Naomi Osaka's copying us now. (laughs) But I guess it was okay because it was her in the picture after all. So next up, we have the ATP match of the round. Ozan Karatsev defeating Felix Auger Eliassime. So this was definitely a surprising match. Some surprising results. We didn't even think this would happen, honestly, because Ozan did pull off a huge upset in the last round as well. Anyways, Karatsev defeated um, Felix 3-6-1-6-6-3-6-3-6-4. So going into the match, it seemed as if Felix was destined for his first quarterfinal. The Canadian had not dropped a set or been broken yet, not even by 11th seed Denis Shapovalov in the round before. But Aslan managed to come back and win the last three sets. So the way that Karatsev managed to do this was that Felix's serve did get weaker as the match went on with only spurts of power in between some games. But And also, I mean, Karatsev's forehand is not to be diminished. It is incredibly accurate, and it cornered Felix into making some forced errors in, adush- in addition to the myriad of unforced errors he was already making. So Karatsev has proved to be a worthy opponent considering how well he's been playing versus these two top 20 players. And next up for Aslan is Grigor Dimitrov. And also Karatsev is a qualifier. So that's pretty big stuff from him too. And we were talking about this when we were previewing this match. I remember we had said that, you know, we're going to give FAA the edge, but it's all going to depend on if he can handle the pressure of being in a quarterfinal because we've seen how he has done in finals before with that pressure. And I think that got to him because, again, he was up two sets to love and then lost. So that's sad for him, but big breakthrough for the Russian. All right. Um, well, now we're going to go into talking about the ATP section of the draw, mostly kind of recapping the round of 16 and looking into the quarterfinals. But as we said in our intro previously, we do have a very special guest joining us today. So with us, we have Petros. He's one of our tennis coaches where we play um, tennis at. And not only that, but he's been working at the US Open for the past few years and has gotten to know and become friends with quite a few big names. 
uh, including Francis Tifo, Nick Kyrgios, Stefano Tsitsipas, and Denis Shapovalov. I don't know if you guys have heard of those guys before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but um, pretty awesome people there. So Petros, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience working at the Open over the past few years, how you've gotten to know these guys, um, and really just what the experience is like working at a Grand Slam. So basically, I've been working the U.S. Open for about 10 years. I had many different positions throughout the U.S. Open, but for the last five years, I've been in charge of the men's locker room. So just being around the players is super cool. Getting to know them a little bit on a personal level, opposed to just watching them on TV is really cool. And just everyone's pretty nice. Um, so we did mention that you're friends with a few of the guys. Are, is anybody that you talk to specifically still in the main draw? Well, Steph. Steph's still in the quarterfinals now, so I'm definitely rooting for him to win. But. Nice. Yeah, he got yeah. Bit, he got a bit lucky, I will say, with getting Mateo to withdraw. But still, Stefanos is someone who we are also big fans of. So happy. Yeah, to I thought that would be a tough match for him because Berrettini's been playing really well. He's a big server. He has a big game. So I thought he would give Steph some trouble. But yeah, let's just say he got a little lucky with that. Yeah, so like we were talking about some of the matches leading up to the quarterfinals, like the round of 16 matches, we're going to start off with some of the quarterfinal matches we have coming up. So first up, we have Novak Djokovic versus Alexander Zverev, the sixth seed. And of course, we have Novak Djokovic, the first seed, king of AO. And then he recently had that abdominal injury during the Fritz match, and he said he tore his muscle. But later, he beat Raonic in four sets, 7-6-4-6-6-1-6-4, with Seemingly no problem, so I guess that's gone. And then we have Alexander Zverev, and the only set he's dropped so far is the very first one in this tournament versus Marcos Giron. And since then, he's been at the top of his game, basically, and most recently defeated Lashovic 6-4-7-6-6-3. And also, Djokovic leads their head-to-head 5-2 between Djokovic and Zverev. So, obviously, Djokovic is a king of AO, and he might be the favorite to win this tournament, even though there are a few questions surrounding his injury. But do you think he's going to take the title? And if not, who's your pick to win, or who do you want to win? Well, I think it's going to be a tough match against Zverev. They always have tight matches, so it all depends on Novak's health because when Novak's healthy, he's pretty much unbeatable. But again, dealing with that abdominal injury, which seems a lot of players are dealing with it this time around, so you kind of don't know. My personal pick, I'm rooting for Steph all the way. He's a good friend of mine, so I'm a little bit biased, but he's been playing really well, so I'm hoping Steph makes it through. Yeah, that was just probably for us as well, rooting for um, someone new to win, uh, for sure. Yeah. So the next uh, quarterfinal match coming up in that top half of the draw is one that I don't think anyone would have expected to happen, which is Grigor Dimitrov versus Aslan Karatsev, the qualifier. So Dimitrov is coming up off of a huge upset, uh, straight sets win versus Dominic Team 6-4-6-4-6-0. So definitely baked some bakery products there at the end with that bagel. Um, and Team in his press conference said, I don't want to find any excuses, but the thing also is that I'm not a machine. I mean, sometimes I would like to be, but there are really, really bad days. As soon as you're not 100% there on the court on this level, then results like this come up, and that's exactly what happened today. So great match from Dimitrov too. Team did seem to be struggling a bit, but I got to say, I'm really happy that Grigor is making it a deep run in this tournament, and he definitely even has a chance to make it through to the semis, although Karatsev is not a guy to be messed around with. I mean, like, we really saw him warming up to this event at the ATP Cup 
um, when he won that trophy with Team Russia about two weeks ago. And then the increase in rankings he gained by winning 18 out of 20 of his last challenger matches made him eligible to participate there. And then from then, Medvedev at the trophy ceremony even said Aslan, I'm not joking, was a secret weapon for doubles. So he was definitely someone his team had an eye on, but the public really didn't have an eye on until he beat Diego and then Felix. And then Aslan said about his time on Team Russia, of course, it's a really good feeling. It's a good atmosphere, first of all. You see the big players, how they're playing. I was on the Russian team, and you see how Medvedev and Rublev are playing. You get some confidence, and you see how they do things. It's helped me a lot. And then since then, he's upset two top 20 players at his Grand Slam debut in the third round, Diego Schwartzman in straight sets, 6-3-6-3-6-3. And then in the round of 16, coming back from two sets down to Felix Auger Eliassime, 3616636364. So then circling back to the beginning of this tournament, who's a player that you expected to make a surprising breakthrough in this tournament, even if they're still not in it? Uh that's a tricky one. Honestly, I always thought just the top ten guys would just kind of roll through the draw, but if I had to pick someone outside of the top ten, um I always think Batista Gut is always a dark horse because when he's on, he's on. He's very tough to beat. I don't know what his current rating is, but I don't think he's in the top 10, right? Yeah, no. He also was one of those hard quarantine guys. We talked about this mm-hmm. in a few rounds ago. A lot of those hard quarantine players, even on the on the ATP and WTA side, um, fell out in those early couple of rounds. But coincidentally, Karatsev is one of the hard quarantine guys along with Jennifer Brady, and they're both mm-hmm. still the two uh, playing strong. Yeah, Jen's doing great too, so. For sure. So moving into the bottom half, uh, this is the quarterfinal. I personally am a bigger fan of the bottom half and the top half. So these two are the matches that I'm most looking forward to. The first one being Daniil Medvedev, the fourth seed versus Andre Rublev. So Medvedev seems to have overcome his little temper tantrum during his round three (laughs) match where he, you know, was yelling at his coach in three languages. That was hilarious. Um, He had a pretty easy win over Mackenzie McDonald, the American and fellow UCLA Bruin, actually, along with Jennifer Brady. So um he won 6-4-6-2-6-3 and you know with his matchup against the fellow russian i mean even still i think daniel looks in prime position to make a deep run at this tournament and you know he was my pick to win the whole thing going into this and i definitely think he has a shot there and he's going to be facing his fellow russian andre rublev who i personally think is going a bit under the radar at this tournament i don't think mm-hmm. that many people are talking about him but we obviously josephine and i talked a lot about his success in 2020 um he had a tricky match against Kasper Ruud going into it, who had his career best performance at a Grand Slam, actually. Um, a big thing for Norwegian tennis as well. Um, and he won the first two sets 6-2, 7-6, until Ruud all of a sudden decided to retire with, again, another abdominal injury. Uh, so definitely something going on there, and we're going to talk about Berrettini as well in just a bit. But um, anyway, when we previewed this possible matchup between Medvedev and Rublev in our last episode... Um, We kind of said, Josefina made the point that it seems like Medvedev has a pretty good chance at this, given their head-to-head of 3-0 to Medvedev. And I think that, along with, I mean, Medvedev's 18-match win streak, um, is really going to give him the edge there. But there's also something funny that Josefina and I found about this matchup that's coming up. Yeah, I mean, Rublev had a very funny quote 
um, about how they used to play matches when they were kids. And it's kind of a long one, but it's definitely one worth listening to. So he said, after that, I realized we're both nuts. We played lobs. Each rally was 10 minutes. We kept pushing those lobs to exhaustion. One of us would screw up the lob and there would be three more minutes of crying and racket throwing. (laughs) I think we played without line judges, so that was okay. Nobody killed themselves looking at all this. Then the second point, again, 10 minutes of waiting, three minutes of crying, one of us rolling around the court after winning this point and another one crying. Everything is terrible. And after... Um, and it was three, four hours like this. We'd flip out differently. I was throwing rackets, crying, whining. Daniel was throwing rackets, but without crying and whining. Instead, he'd yell at everything and everyone around him. Someone would simply pass by and he would tell them to go to hell. And I was grabbing clay from the court and eating it. <laughs> so certainly funny how we see players that have been playing since they were little matching up during the Australian Open. I mean, we saw the Felix versus Shapovalov match. And I believe either Felix or Shapo, they said that they've been playing since they were nine years old. That's when they played their first match. So definitely cool to see how it's evolved. Even Jennifer Brady and even Jennifer Brady and Jessica Pagula have known each other for a while, and they're also playing each other. Um, so that's definitely a lot of matchups there. Yeah, this round is a battle of friends. Seems like. Yeah, it looks like they're being pitted against each other, but they can't do anything about it because of how the draws are placed. So, Petrus, we know you coach a lot of competitive young kids who play tennis seriously, but what are the most outrageous fits you've seen on court from these kids? Uh, I've seen (laughs) kids crying, yelling at me to leave when I'm watching them play, even though I'm like the calmest coach ever. But just when the nerves kick in, you just look to point the finger at somebody else besides yourself. So it happens pretty often. I have an eight-year-old that I coach who... Still, who screams break rackets and he's only eight so (laughs) so and then also going back to Rublev he's kind of a player on the younger side definitely but he totally established his dominance on tour last year but do you have any picks for like up-and-coming young players who could do well in the ATP in the future I mean Sebastian Corda has been absolutely killing it the last couple of months so I'm rooting for him actually he's a really good kid He's very humble, so I'm hoping he's the name that we're going to be talking about in the future. I think he's playing a challenger tournament this week with Andy Murray. I think Murray he's actually again. playing right now. So. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So that's it. I think that we were ta- Josephine and I were talking about this a couple of days ago. That challenger tournament is also stacked because they had yeah. one just now where Andy reached the final, but then they're having another one in the same venue with mm-hmm. Andy, Corda, uh I mean, There's definitely some other names there that I can't remember, but Sebastian Corda yeah. is also someone who we've talked about a bit. Yeah, especially since the Western Southern Open last year, that's kind of where we started really talking about him and highlighting him when it comes to dark horses in the draws, Mm -hmm. especially younger players. Yeah. So next up, we have the Rafael Nadal versus Stefanos Tsitsipas match. And then we have Nadal coming off of a breezy 6-3-6-4-6-2 win over Fabio Fagnini, who has definitely picked up his form since coming back from ankle injury and is a player that has given Nadal trouble in the past. But he did not pose much of a challenge yesterday. And then, I mean, Shravia, you definitely had some opinions when watching this match. 
Yeah, I was like kind of rooting for the Italians in this round, in the round of 16. <laughs> I mean, I knew Fabio wasn't going to win, but I w- I'm, a, I'm a Berrettini fan and a Tsitsipas fan, so that was more difficult. But I'll get into that later when we talk about Tsitsipas. But um, I was, I'm going to be honest, I was watching this match, the Nadal and Fognini one, and I was bored out of my mind. It was so, <laughs> I did I personally did not like it. Um, I was much more of a fan of the matches yesterday, the, the day before. Um, but, you know, either way, I think it's still kind of surprising that Fabio made it this far. We talked about Team Italy's success last week, too, but Fabio Fognini is coming off of a double ankle surgery just a few months ago, so this is big for him. And then even Nadal, I mean, at the beginning of this tournament, he had pulled out of the ATP Cup because of a back injury, but that seems to definitely be improving, especially based on his performance yesterday. And not many people are talking about the fact that if um, Nadal does make it to the title and wins the title, he will surpass Roger Federer's current count of most Grand Slams. So definitely looking in a strong position to do that. And although he might face Medvedev in the semifinals, these will be pretty tricky matchups leading up to that title so which member if you had to pick one of the big three which big three is your favorite Oof, this is a tough one i mean uh i would have to pick rafa i mean his hard work speaks for itself the guy's a fighter you can't rule him out on any surface even though he's the king of clay so i would probably say rafa well, then your fave of the big three is facing off another one of your favorites, Stefano Tsitsipas. So unfortunately, in his round of 16 match, Matteo Berrettini had to withdraw due to an abdominal injury. Um, our listeners and especially our Twitter followers know that I'm a massive Matteo Berrettini fan as well as a Tsitsipas fan. But I've really been happy about Berrettini's success these past few weeks because, you know, we talked about his flop era in 2020. Um, he seems to be regaining some of his 2019 form. Um, and sad to see him go. He was playing really well. Hopefully as a speedy recovery from that abdominal injury because that seems to be like a plague of abdominal injuries at this tournament um he said in his press conference i was feeling really well not just obviously tennis wise but everything else in my mindset the atp cup was great the first three rounds i was playing really good so enjoying the atmosphere even though um i experienced the lockdown as well but nothing it's just bad luck so honestly this Berrettini Sitsipas match was something that I had been looking forward to for several days. It was kind of like something when Josephina and I were previewing the draw, we noted that this matchup could happen. Um, so I was actually going to wake up at 5 in the morning to watch maybe a little bit of it. So I had my alarm. It went off. I checked the score to see where it was at, and it was I saw that he had withdrawn. So I was really sad because I haven't gotten a chance to watch either of them play live at the Australian Open yet. So... And I knew that this would be the last chance to since one of them would lose. But anyways, it's um, in terms of Sitsipas, it's a little unclear how he's playing at the moment because he uh, got that walkover and uh, he hasn't played a seeded player yet. Um, hey, uh, he's had pretty straightforward wins except that thrilling five-setter versus Kokonakis. Um, and his head-to-head versus Nadal is 6-1 in Nadal's favor. So it does seem like Nadal is a solid player at the moment, but... As we've said before, Tsitsipas had his breakthrough at the Australian Open just two years ago, so definitely some good vibes here. Not really sure what to expect, but me personally, I think Josefina too, we're both rooting for the upset here um, and backing our boy, uh, Stefano Tsitsipas. So, Petros, tell us a little bit about how you think Steph has been doing, not just in this tournament, but maybe in the past few years, how you've gotten to know him, what kind of guy he is. Um, 
So yeah, spill spill the beans. Yeah, Steph is one of the nicest guys on tour that I've been dealing with. I've known him since he was about 16, 17 playing juniors and qualies at the U.S. Open. I know his father pretty well now. Uh, he's a humble kid, very nice, not very outspoken. And I feel like that maturity he has off court helps him when he's in that match in that big scenario because he can stay calm. He has his moments where he's fighting with his dad or his box, but that's normal. You've seen it happen with all the players. And uh, I just think that the no crowd thing is going to be in favor of Nadal because he gets a lot of Greek support in Australia usually. So I think that's the only advantage that Rafa has at the moment. And uh, I just hope Steph pulls it out, honestly. So we'll see. All right, now we're going to move into some more fun segments. And now that we've kind of given an overview of the ATP draw, Josefina, why don't you give us a little uh, summary of what this next segment's going to be? Right, so we call this one the tennis ball frizz quiz. And these are some trivia questions based on some of the quarterfinalists of this year's Australian Open. And starting off, we're going to start off with a question of about Aslan Karatsev. So he's the lowest ranked player to reach the Australian Open quarterfinals in 30 years. Who held the record before him? And this is multiple choice. So was it A, Michael Chang, B, Pete Sampras, C, Patrick McEnroe, or D, Andre Agassi? I'm going to take a total guess on this and say Agassi. (laughs) No, it was Patrick McEnroe. Okay. He was also ranked number 114 like Karatsev is now, and he made it to the semifinals in 1991, where he eventually fell to Boris Becker. It's kind of cool that 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 was the year I was born, so I don't (laughs) expect myself to know that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, our next question is kind of a duo question about two of our quarterfinalists. How did Stefano Tsitsipas describe Daniil Medvedev's playing style at the 2019 Nito ATP Finals? Quote, a bit unconventional, very boring, quite strange, or definitely different. <laughs> definitely different? <laughs> no, it was, he, Sitsipas said, <laughs> very boring. I, I don't know if you know this, you probably do. Sitsipas and Medvedev have had quite a few little interactions yeah, on I've, court. I've um, seen those, so. Yeah. <laughs> so that's probably that's probably what was happening. But hey, Sitsipas won that tournament, so mm-hmm. um, no bad karma there for that. Yeah. Um, and then we have a question about Grigor Dimitrov. So how long oh, did God. The... I'm about to go over three here? <laughs> you might actually know the answer to this. You might you might get this one right. So how long did the 2021 Australian Open quarterfinalist Grigor Dimitrov date Maria Sharapova? Was it A, 18 months, B, 7 months, C, 2 and a half years, or D, 3 and a half years? A? <laughs> I told you I'm bad at trivia. <laughs> the answer was C, yeah. 2 and a half years. Wow, it's actually pretty long, yeah. Not expect that. Okay, this last question, though, it's an it's about another one of your buddies. I think you're going to get this right. During a press conference this week, Novak Djokovic was asked about his opinions on a fellow ATP Tour player. He said, quote, off the court, I don't have much respect for him, to be honest. Which player was he referring to? Can you answer okay. this without, if I don't give you an answer? Yeah, he was talking about my buddy Nick. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
How, I mean, I, I, I wonder what Nick, what is Nick Kyrgios like, you know, as, you know, in the locker room? Is he kind of as crazy as he is on court in those interviews and stuff? I mean, Nick is one of the coolest guys around. He tries to make everyone laugh. He's blasting music around. I mean, I don't know how other players feel about that, but <laughs> it's, he's just a chill guy. You wouldn't, exp- you wouldn't think that he's about to go play a match with how he acts in the locker room and stuff like that. But he's a friendly guy. I see him getting along with everybody. Everybody seems to like him except some of the bigger guys. <laughs> but I'm yeah. pretty sure he's close with Roger. So if Roger likes him, I mean, he's doing something right. My favorite moment was when he was coming on court for his doubles match with Kokonakis. And he started doing the Djokovic thing when yeah, he I walked that. on. Yeah, that was that hilarious. Was hysterical. Yeah. Nick, Nick's a good time. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Petros, for joining us. We had a lot of fun talking about the ATP quarterfinals. Um, hopefully, Stefanos can pull through. Um, yeah. And we have potentially someone new winning this tournament, which I know would be very exciting. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. And I will let me know when you guys want to have me back on the show. Hopefully, I'll have some of my friends along. <laughs> So moving into the WTA, um, we hope you enjoyed our little section there with Petros. If you couldn't tell, we've known each other. The three of us have known each other for a while now. So it was really nice having him on and giving us a bit of an insight uh, into some of the players. But we're equally as excited to talk about the WTA. So Josephina, tell us about uh, the top half of the draw. Right, so first up we have Jennifer Brady, the 22nd seed, versus Jessica Pagula. (laughs) Oh, God, we're starting off real nice here. Jennifer Brady, the 22nd seed, versus Jessica Pagula, who is unseeded. So the fellow Americans will battle it out for a spot in the semifinals. And then, so between the two of them, we've had a few interactions because they... They've already shown that they are friends off the court, on the court and off the court, if you haven't heard that phrase somewhere already. Hint, hint, it's the hold on to your racket intro. Um, <laughs> anyways, they had some camera signing interactions. After her round of 16 match, Pagula wrote on the camera, see you next round, Jen, Jen B. And then even when Brady hadn't played Becky yet, so bit She of a, was quite confident yeah. that she'd be playing Jennifer Brady. And then after her round of 16 match, Brady wrote on the camera, bring it, Jess, and then the little smiley face with the parentheses. So that was cute, definitely, and it showed showcased their friendship a bit there. Yeah, and I think it's awesome to see so many American women through deep in the tournament. I mean, we had uh, we have Jennifer, Jessica, and Serena into the quarterfinals. And then we and had Shelby, Shelby Rogers. Yeah. Yeah, Shelby Rogers made it through the round of 16. So American tennis on the women's side is really, really strong. I would say stronger than America, uh, men's tennis at the moment. But Definitely. like that, that ebbs and flows. But I would say the women on the WT, the American women on the WTA are really killing it. Um, Jessica Pagula is someone who we've actually talked about uh, here and there on the podcast. Um, kind of honestly, since like we started the podcast she's been making a few breakthroughs so her best result at a grand slam before this was the third round of the u.s open just this past year in 2020 and now she's into her first grand slam quarterfinal and um she's actually now being coached by david witt who was venus williams's prior coach so seems to be uh that partnership seems to be working well too but she's made some major upsets to get here not only did she stretch sophia kennan to a tight match um at the uh previous tournament before the australian open but she upset uh, former Australian Open champion and 12th seed Victoria Azarenka. 
uh, multiple times double grand, doubles Grand Slam champion Christina Mladenovic, and then former U.S. Open champion Samantha Stozer, uh, in her en route to get to this uh, position. And most recently, she just defeated fifth seed Alina Svitolina in three sets, six four three six six three, to reach the quarters. Definitely a breakout player in this tournament. Someone we didn't expect to go this far, but you know. That match versus Jennifer Brady is going to be super interesting to watch, and um, I wouldn't count Pegula totally out of that one. And then next we have Jennifer Brady, her opponent, and also our Dark Horse semifinalist pick. So she has not dropped a set moving into the second week and was broken for the first time only in her round of 16 match versus Vekic. And speaking of that match, Brady defeated Donna 6-1-7-5, and Vekic put up a bit of a fight in the second set, even after receiving a medical timeout for her knee. And like I said, she became the first of Brady's opponents to break her serve, and even then, Brady was able to claw her way out of a 2-4 deficit with powerful aces and well-placed her fear hands, like not forehands, but the fear hands. Is that just a Brady thing, or is that like a widely tennis-known term? Did you make that up? No, I heard it somewhere. <laughs> I thought you told t- oh, <laughs> No, I, I haven't heard it anywhere, but the pun works. I know Josephine is very fond of tennis puns. She really likes making this one pun about Alex Demon. Oh, yeah. Being like, he's our, he's the player uh, who With has the, coolest- the best... Dem- coolest demeanor demeanor on tour and like it's a pun on demeanor and demeanor she's quite fond of that pun i don't know how i feel about it but you do you josephina yeah you know i'm kind of known around town for my dad jokes so based off both of their recent results they both have many opportunities going into this match pagula has really harnessed her potential to cause upsets in this tournament and brady has been playing her strongest and not giving up opportunities when they come to her so their last meeting was just last year in august where pagula actually defeated brady at the 2020 western and southern open in two sets so definitely a little bit skeptical based on that past result but I mean, Brady is looking stronger going into this. I also think, remember in the beginning of the tournament, we were talking a lot about this quarter of the draw, Svitolina's quarter, and who would come out of it, and that Jennifer Brady was probably the strongest person in that section. I think it's really interesting to see not only Brady pull through, but also Pagula, because that was a tricky section um, of the of the draw. I think it was like the Azarenka, Sakari, Mladenovic, Svitolina, Coco Goff, Brady, Pagula. So I really, it's really interesting, interesting to see how that eventually played out. So, going into the next match, uh, which is the top half of the top quarter of the top half of the draw, uh, Ash Barty versus Carolina Mohova, the number one player in the world versus the 25th seed. Ash Barty, the Australian, has literally been sweeping away anyone in her path to the title so far, just recently defeating Shelby Rogers, 6 3 6 4, who she went to three sets with, or I guess the third set was a match tiebreak, uh, just the past week at the. Uh, Yara Valley Classic, I believe. Yep. Um, yep. And it's hard to keep track of all those names. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, Barty has been playing a really strong game, considering she's hasn't played a grand. This is the first grand slam she's played in a year. So you know, just having her return be you know just starting, she's back at her ta- top level. And you know, as we said at the beginning of the tournament, she's a top contender for this title. I definitely think that. With her brand of tennis, she could be making it through to the final and could be a very worthy opponent for Osaka, Halep, Serena, whoever comes through from the bottom half. Whoever um, it may be. 
<laughs> yeah, very, very much one of the strongest players uh, in this draw. She said, uh, it's really exciting to be through to another quarterfinal. Um, if you would have told me a few months ago when we were doing preseason that this is the start we'd have, we'd absolutely take it with a big smile on our face. So I think that, you know, she has a great shot against Buhova, but getting this far in her first tournament back is a big thing to be celebrated. Also, she has a great attitude going into all this. Like, I mean, I haven't really seen any negativity from her, so that definitely probably helps um, considering her results. So next we have Carolina Muhova, the 25th seed, who will be facing Ashley Barty in the quarterfinals. Also quite the force to be reckoned with. She defeated Carolina Pliskova, the 6th seed, and an informed Elise Mertens, the 18th seed. But is it enough to take out Barty? That's the real question here. They met once before at the 2018 US Open where Barty won in straight sets, but they're both playing like an elevated game right now. This is a whole different level of tennis for both of them. So either way... I mean, Ashley Barty, she is the first seed for a reason. She has been demolishing anyone she's gone through to get here. So we should definitely take that into account when we're expecting the results here. Now, the bottom half of the draw, my favorite part of the draw, um, I think we both really have a big, uh, like this this section of the draw is just insanely packed. Um, and it has two very exciting quarterfinal matches lined up, which were only birthed from you know, equally exciting round of 16 matches. So yeah. mm-hmm. so the first one was uh, is Shea Suwei versus Naomi Osaka. So let's talk about Shea Suwei, Queen Shea Suwei. Yes, yes please. If she, win- if she wins this whole thing, you know, even as an Osaka, Serena, Jennifer Brady fan, I wouldn't care because Shea Suwei is literally the ultimate. Um, she has been capturing the heart of ten- hearts of tennis fans throughout this entire tournament. So this is her first Grand Slam singles quarterfinal. We know she's a very accomplished doubles player for the 35-year-old. So she's 35, still going strong, reaching her first Grand Slam singles quarterfinal. That's pretty awesome. To talk a little bit about her playing style, if you've ever seen her play, it's a very eclectic but really clean style. I love it. It's so fun to watch. She's insanely talented at redirecting the ball and has a ton of variety, um, which is why I think she's going to be a tough matchup for her opponent, which we're, who we're going to talk about in just a bit. And she just has an amazing personality, so a very lovable player. And she also has a very interesting life story. So I would definitely uh, encourage you all to take a look at some of her press conference clips from this past week because, you know, she shared a lot of fun stories there. Well, not fun stories, but interesting stories there, um, along with some things her coach has shared too. So, for example, Shea Suwei said that at one point she stopped playing tennis for 11 months and went to Japan to escape from her parents. So she's had a very, you know, interesting life story and background growing up playing tennis. And to see her succeeding at the stage is amazing. And she has done so in style. She has not stopped pulling off the upsets ever since that Andrescu win. Um, and she defeated Marketa Vondrosova in the round of 16, 6-4-6-2 to set up a match with Naomi Osaka. And like you said, she has been capturing the heart of tennis fans throughout this entire tournament, including my own. I mean, she had a few press conferences, again, where I think, I believe she said, even if I don't play with good tennis, um, I still have the food in Melbourne to look forward to. So definitely some relatable moments there that definitely make her more amiable and just a, a better person all around. So, of course, we have her opponent now, Naomi Osaka, who is in top form and still the favorite to win this tournament. We already discussed her match versus Muguruza as the match of the round, 
And Naomi said about Shesu Wei, if it was a video game, I would want her to select her. Wait, I would want to select her character just to play as her. I mean, we know Naomi is definitely a fan of video games. She, I believe, she had a sponsorship with PS Four, Five, one of those. Not my We're not big area video of expertise. Game <laughs> um. Anyways. Osaka also knows the challenge that comes with playing Shesuwe. She said, I'm not really looking forward to it. She's going to be really tough. Every time I've played her, it's three sets. It's really long. I think I played her two years ago, so it's actually fun when I'm not really angry. It, as in Shay's style of playing, makes it really tricky. I know the people she's played are super difficult, and you know for me, whenever I play her, I have to expect everything. And this statement could not be more true. Shay is definitely a versatile player who can pick up her level when she needs to or even play it sloppy if she just needs to get through the round so um definitely a very good player going into this round and then their head-to-head is four to one in osaka's favor yet four of those matches have gone to three sets so definitely close matches either way but even so our prediction is for osaka to win in three sets because I mean, Shay has been playing amazingly and phenomenally, but Osaka is still the favorite for a reason, and we're going to stick with that. So, to round out this insanely packed section of the draw, this next quarterfinal is worthy of being a slam final, and has been a slam final in the past. So, Serena Williams, the 10th seed, is taking on the second seed and world number two, Simona Halep. And, wow, Serena's round of 16 match versus Sabalenka was... It was crazy. I watched the entire thing. Um, extremely high quality tennis from both opponents. Josephine and I were both, when we were previewing this, this episode, we knew it was going to be a battle. And we were actually giving the edge to Sabalenka. And it seemed like she really did have the match, especially after how dominant she was in the second set. Because the score was for Serena 6 4 2 6 6 4. But I mean, they really left it all out there on court. Um, and Sabalenka definitely had opportunities but Serena was just the better player I think the experience really helped her there her serve was definitely a key to the match her first serve percentage was nearing 20 to 30 percent in the second set which she lost 6-2 but um, that's what she picked up and she used her signature weapon to take the third set and then also Serena's like movement and her defensive skills were also incredibly key because we know that Sabalenka is a very aggressive player she likes to dictate play and that's really telling that Serena's defensive skills and her movement were strong because that's something that she's struggled with the past year or so compared to previous years and if she can get her movement under control and use that as one of her assets too that puts her in prime position to do well against someone like Simona Halep who's going to chase down every single ball um you know the match was also not you know not an easy uh an easy match as we said she was up uh, Serena was up an early break in the third set at 4-1 but Arena did fight back to level it to 4-all, although Serena, being the champion she is, sealed the deal at 6-4. And she is now into her 54th Grand Slam quarterfinal. 54, which equals Chris Everett's record, too. So, I mean, I would just say, we said last episode how if Serena could pull off this win versus Sabalenka, it would be huge for her momentum going into the later rounds of the tournament. And definitely shows how informed she is and how capable she is of beating these top 10 players. And Sabalenka, who's won, you know, the vast majority of her matches the past few months. 
And then we have Simona Halep, another player who has been looking very strong and has had some tough matches this tournament so far, including her round of 16 match versus Sviatek, where Halep won 3-6-6-1-6-4. Halep said, legend, she's the best. You can only beat Serena if you play your best. And this could not be more true. So... In like speaking, leading up to the match in general terms, Serena leads her head to head nine to two, but it's not that simple. She leads her Grand Slam head to head three to one, with Halep's one win coming in the twenty nineteen Wimbledon final, where she played incredible tennis to defeat Serena, and Halep only hit three unforced errors in that match. I what. Okay. I had four unforced errors within 10 minutes into playing, so yeah. I don't know how she does that. <laughs> so the thing is, if Halep can reach this level of pl- hitting three unforced errors, can she do it again to in this final? Or not final, like we said, this is final material um, in this quarterfinal I meant. So the last time they met at the Australian Open was in 2019, and it was a thriller of a match. Serena won 6-1-4-6-6-4, but... Um, I mean, Serena is the pick here. Serena in three, the um, greatest of all time, the GOAT, really showed how informed she is. She's ready to beat top players in that, like, that she showed in the Sabalenka match. So we think she has a real shot at this one. And this is some of the best tennis Serena's played in a while. Finally, we're starting to see that 24 really come into view for her. So I think it's really great that she's picking up her form and just adjusting to this new level of tennis that she's playing. Yeah, and Serena doesn't like to lose, so she knows that their last meeting with Halep was at that Wimbledon final, um, which was one of Serena's shots at 24. So, I mean, I think that this match is going to be... Definitely get your popcorn for these quarterfinal matches, especially the ones in the bottom half of the draw. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the Australian Open and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter once we get our account unlocked. Our next episode will be released in just a couple of days where we will recap the quarterfinals and preview the semifinals. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Ben and Shravya's name is Harry. See you next time.